What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. And today we're talking about last week's episode with Angie Halverson, the owner of Carlisle Core. Angie used to own Carlisle CrossFit. She decided to convert the gym to Carlisle Core because she believed that while CrossFit was a methodology that changed her life, it was now only a part of what she was doing for members at her fitness facility. And so the name needed to change to better reflect what it was that she was doing in that gym. On today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about what it is that she's now doing in that gym. I'm going to talk to you about why she made some of the changes that she's made, where we have asked her to make even more changes, and what the future could look like in her gym. The reason why today's episode is important to any of you who are listening is because the way that we think about things is always through the education and experience that we each uniquely have. Essentially, we make decisions based on what we know. And at any given time, what we know could change. A great example of this is an, an exercise that I like to do with, with gym owners and trainers and coaches alike especially fairly early on in their education with us. I like to ask questions about where their beliefs in money came from. Where does your belief in money come from? And you know what? We'll just do this as a group. So while you're listening to this, feel free to participate in this experiment, this exercise. Even if you're driving, this isn't one you need to write down. But if you're still and you can write it down, that's great. I want you to think about where your beliefs in money came from. Where did you learn about the value of money, what it takes to make it, what it takes to keep it, what it means to have none of it, what it means to have a lot of it? Where did you learn those things? Where did you learn that? Can you think of a moment in your life that was formative for you? Perhaps a moment in which you realized that you had more than others or a moment in which you realized that you didn't have what others do, that you couldn't do certain things that you wanted to be able to do as a child, as a parent for your own children. Either side of the spectrum, right in the middle, doesn't matter. Was there an event in your life, a series of events in your life, a pattern in your life that you learned that was shaped by events you had no control over that have led to beliefs that you still hold today. Think about that. Now, ask yourself the next question. When you think about what you believe about people with a lot of money or people with very little money. Do they fit all of the things that you believe about money? So what that means is if you believe that generally speaking, in order to make a lot of money, you need to swindle others out of it. You need to do things that are lacking virtue, that are detractive to society. If that's what you believe about money, that the pursuit of it is generally evil. 
I want you to challenge your own belief by asking yourself, do you know anybody who doesn't match that reality, who has a lot of money, who you have a lot of respect for, who you would love to be more like, who you would love to learn from? Are there any of those people who you know? And then for those of you who believe that people who don't make a lot of money or who don't have a lot of money are potentially lazy or uneducated or lacking ambition. Do you know anybody who doesn't make a lot of money who isn't any of those things? Who is perhaps the exact opposite of that, just not in things that value money? Where the reimbursement for their skill set isn't money? Do you know anybody like that? What I want for all of you listening to this to understand that is that the purpose of this exercise is for you to realize that your beliefs can be changed at the drop of a hat through experience, through thought, through education. Your experience can be changed. Your beliefs can be changed. And when we start working with gyms, like Angie's gym, Carlisle, Carlisle Core, the beliefs around what can happen inside of those four walls are typically different the day that we start and a year or so later when we're having an interview with someone like Angie. You see, when... Angie started her gym. She took over a CrossFit gym that was run more like a hobby than it was like a professional fitness business. And Angie saw the opportunity to take it and make it something better than that. She was fortunate to have some security and that her husband is a military officer. They have the insurances that they need. He makes some money that allows her to not need to make all of the money. And so she was able to take some chances on her business and build into something that she loves. And she did that. And the first thing that she did was she got everybody's prices ordered. So everybody went from paying anywhere from $5, no dollars, $20, $150 a month to everybody paying the same thing. I believe it was around $160 if my memory serves me. Then once everybody was on that flat payment, and by the way, she certainly lost members of the gym when she went from variable rate to $160 a month. In order to do something like that, what's important for everyone to understand is that you need to have certain values around money. That's why I started with the money experiment. You need to be okay that when you go from charging $20, $50, $99, $100, $120, $140, up to $160, $180, $200, we'll get higher in a moment, you're going to price people out. Some people are not going to be able to afford your business anymore. And Angie was at peace with that. Whether she liked it or not is a totally different story. She wanted everybody to be able to continue to have access. The business doesn't exist to make money, but the business needs money to exist. And so people need to be paying in order to attend the business. And Angie understood this. And she allowed some people to leave the gym who didn't value it at the price point where she knew she needed to be, thought she needed to be. The next thing that Angie did, and by the way, before we go any further on that, before you judge her for it, 
If your gym costs $50, somebody can't afford it. And one of my favorite lines from the show Yellowstone, if, if you're watching it, you know what I'm talking about, is when Kevin Costner asks a, a, a vegan activist about the, the realities of the plows killing the animals that live in the dirt underneath the vegetables and the fruits that get planted on monocrop. And he basically says, uh, you know, how cute does an animal need to be before you're no longer okay with killing it so that you can eat. And what he's talking about is the killing of mice, of vole, of snakes, of rabbits, of all the animals that live where the plow goes through to make room so that they can plant the crops for the season. And his point was, something dies no matter what. How do we make a decision about what it is? And that argument is similar in the financial setting because if it's $50, somebody can't afford it. If it's $20, somebody can't afford it. If it's $100, somebody can't afford it. $150, somebody can't afford it. $200, people definitely can't afford it. $500, people can't afford it. So what's the difference? If there's always somebody who can't afford it, what's the price at which? we can give enough service that it doesn't matter that some people can't afford it because we know that that's true no matter what. What's more important is that we're aligned with the service that we're providing. That's what's most important. And then the price that is charged needs to match the service that's provided to allow the service to continue to be provided to the people who do value it at that price. It's not a personal game. It's a business game and the business is about inspiration. The person who owns it and the people who work in it, you want them to give you their best, not the best that they can afford to give you. And that's what Angie decided when she raised her rates. Now, she'd be the first to tell you she needs to do it again because the first thing she did was just got everybody to the price that was reasonable what she's doing now is far beyond reasonable for her members. She has transitioned her gym from being an unapologetically CrossFit gym to being a gym that best serves the people who the standard CrossFit gym would fail to help. She recognized that many people in her gym were not getting the results that the gym promised them they would get when they signed up. And so that's when she came to us. That's when she came to Active Life, when she realized that she wanted her gym to be more than just a place for people to go and get sweaty, pursue abs, ass, and ego, and physical performance. She wanted it to be a place where people could come to reclaim physical freedom, to restore their sense in self-reliance. She wanted to be a place of empowerment for the members who walked through, a place of opportunity for the staff who worked there, a place of inspiration for herself and everybody who walked through the doors. And she knew that running it the way it was previously being run was not going to do that for her. So she made the bold transition of asking the coaches working in her gym to be more professional, to take it more seriously. And she built the map for them to achieve career earnings working inside of her gym. Now, 
when she was on the podcast, she talked about, she'd like to pay them more. She'd like to provide more for them. And that's great. I am a full proponent of her providing them even more opportunity, even more income. The important thing that I tried to remind her of on the podcast, and I know we're working behind the scenes with Angie on making sure is true, is that she also takes care of herself. Angie is the kind of person, and I believe that in some ways uh, this is extremely beneficial for anybody who wants to work with us. She's the kind of person who puts everybody else first. And she makes sure that her staff is well taken care of before she makes sure that she is well taken care of. While that's amazing, we believe that there needs to be a balance and that at a certain point she's got to take incredible care of herself so that she's able to pour from a full cup. And that's in the works. The, the hardest thing for fitness business owners, be they coaches or gym owners, is that you got into business to help other people. And then there's this conundrum of how do I help somebody and ask them for money at the same time? And how do I tell them that even though I could help them do that, you know, move faster during their workouts, lose weight, get a six pack, whatever it is. Yeah, sure. I could help them do that. And yeah, sure. It would be easier. And yes, it would take me less time. And therefore I could charge them less money. I don't want to do that. I want them to go somewhere else and get that. It's hard for gym owners to do that, especially in today's market where most gym owners, frankly, aren't making any money. The gyms aren't making any money. Um, I, I don't know for, I don't have data to back what I'm saying, but I would be absolutely blown away if the average CrossFit gym, for example, is earning more than $200,000 a year, top line revenue. I'm not talking about what the owner is taking home. I'm saying if the average CrossFit gym, the average CrossFit gym is generating $200,000 a year. So what is that? $17,500 a month? If I got my math wrong, sue me for it. I did it off the top of my head. If the average CrossFit gym is generating $200,000 a year, I would be blown away. And then after they generate that $200,000, they need to pay Rent, utilities, affiliate fees, um, insurance, coaches, technology, credit card processing fees, all the stuff. At the end of the day, if that gym owner running a gym that does $200,000 a year is making $40,000 a year, it's a lot. I promise you, if a gym owner whose gym is generating $200,000 a year is personally taking home $40,000 a year, that's a lot. If they're doing that, they're probably coaching many classes in the gym in order to earn that. That's not the life Angie wanted. She wanted to allow people who are wildly passionate about coaching to be able to do that. And good on her. That's what she's done. The reason why beliefs is how I started this podcast is because above and beyond the money, the first thing that people start thinking about is nobody will ever pay that to come to the gym. The gym. The gym. And I agree. That's why we don't teach people to run great gyms. We teach people to run businesses that live in the space between the gym and the healthcare clinic. We teach people not to run a medical service and not to run a fitness service. I believe that fitness is best designed to help people achieve the maximum expression of their physical capacity. What that means 
Well, I'll get to it in a moment. Um, the medical industry is best set, the healthcare industry is best set up to help people rescue physical function. Rescue it from permanent loss. Be that because of death, paralysis, muscle wasting, whatever. The active life industry, which lives between fitness and healthcare, is best at helping people reclaim physical freedom, restore a sense in self-reliance. That's what we do. That's a gym that can do that. A gym that can do that, an entity that can do that, can demand $400, $500, $600 every single month from every single member and get it. That's the truth. That's the truth. So that's what Angie's in pursuit of. And the beliefs around that from the general public will be that's not possible. No one would ever pay that to go to a gym. And yes, what she owns looks like a gym. It has a lot of the same equipment, almost all of the same equipment, if not all of the same equipment, as a gym would have. But it's not about the equipment. It's not about the walls, it's not about the floor, and it's not about the ceiling height. It's about what you do with all of those things. And it's about who you attract to do that with. And it's about what they tell their friends. The difference between what I'm describing and what happens in a fitness gym right now is as simple as this. I'll give you an analogy. A person says that they want to go outside and have a catch with their kid, a baseball catch. We make sure that they can do that. We make sure that they can go outside and have a catch. That's what Active Life does. The fitness industry makes sure that they can stand 100 feet apart, 200 feet apart, 300 feet apart, throw it accurately, throw it fast. That's what happens in fitness. But in order to do any of those things, they need to be able to have the catch in the first place. And many people in the gym lose the ability to have the catch. The catch in the gym is the person who spends their entire day rowing while everybody else in the gym is spending their day running because their knee is still bothering them for the last six months, 12 months, two years. That's the catch. They're not thinking about how fast their mile time is. They're thinking about it would be so cool to be able to run a mile again. The gym, the fitness industry, helps them run that mile faster. We help them get off the rower. The fitness industry helps somebody do more pull-ups in a row. We help somebody hang from a bar and build the resilience to get there first. The fitness industry helps somebody squat a PR load. We help somebody sit their butt to their heels and be able to get their knees to their chest so that when loaded, they can squat at all. The fitness industry helps somebody pull heavy weights off of the ground. We make sure people can reach the ground. The fitness industry helps people get abs. 
We have visible abs. We help people do the things that the abs would help them do. And if they want the visible abs, we send them to the fitness industry. You see, the difference here is the, the things that I believe the fitness industry does are wants. They're all wants. And I do believe that we should help people strive for want, not need. The things that we help people do are needs and wants. You don't have to be able to throw a baseball in the front yard with your kid. But if you want to, and you've ever felt the inability to do something like that, you stop calling that want and you start calling that need. If your friends are all going out for the run and you're stuck on the rower because you can't, you don't need to go for a run. You don't need to. You want to. But you would never call it want. You would call it need. That's the kind of stuff that we help people with. The stuff that's really want, but that is so important to people that they would call it need. And we help gyms like Angie's reliably get people those needs. And guess what? People are happy to pay a premium for that because they know that the person who they're doing it with dedicated their lives to being able to help them do it. I'm proud as hell to work with Angie and other people like Angie. The coaches in those gyms, the owners in those gyms, the staff on our team, it makes me proud. And I understand that today it's still so new for so many of you as you listen to this. And it's hard to understand exactly what's different inside. Why can't a good CrossFit coach do that? Why can't a good personal trainer do that? Why would somebody ever pay that much money for it? I understand. I do. And soon you will too. That's my promise. Tempra? I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision to humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom. All you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there. Turn pro.